Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you as we do each week to be here with us in this place and we trust that you are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. No one has ever called me at three o'clock in the morning, desperate for me to explain the Trinity to them. I just can't sleep, Pastor. I need to know how to describe the inner workings of our triune God. How can he be one and three? It's never happened. Indeed, such an explanation might not even be possible. In fact, it's an old preacher's joke that you can't describe the Trinity without falling into one heresy or another. Traditionally, rectors assign someone else to preach today on Trinity Sunday so that when that person inevitably tries to do something like explain the three-in-oneness of our Lord by comparing it to the three states of water, you know, liquid water, ice, and water vapor, all water but all different, they're the ones who have to endure the shouts of modalism from the seminarians in the congregation. But since no one has ever called me at three o'clock in the morning asking about the Trinity, for the sake of this sermon, I'm going to claim that it's enough of an explanation to say that the Father is not the Son or the Spirit, but is God. The Son is not the Father or the Spirit, but is God. The Spirit is not the Father or the Son, but is God. God is one and three. But people do call me at three o'clock in the morning. That's a bit hyperbolic. The middle of the night phone calls are not all that common, but there is something about which I get out of the blue calls. Facebook messages from strangers, emails, and so on. One thing more than any other, what people reach out to me and want to be reminded of is the gospel. I want to be told again, they'll say, that it's really true. Tell me again that God's love in Christ is enough for me. And that's an offer that's on the table for all of you, by the way, 24 hours a day. If you need someone to remind you that Christ's finished work is sufficient, call me. That's literally my job. But this morning, I'd like to celebrate Trinity Sunday, not by explaining the inner workings of the Trinity, but by proclaiming the good news of God the Father in Christ the Son, guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. I want to share with you how the three persons of our one God work to save sinners like you and me. Now, to begin, I want to read to you some selections from Psalm 139, which is a song about our God. O Lord, the psalmist writes, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down 
and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. When you hear these beautiful lines. What is called to your mind? I am personally ashamed to admit that though I recognize the beauty of the psalmist's praise, I can't help but think immediately of that creepy old police song, Every Breath You Take. You know, every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. And in a sense, the fact that that psalm reminds me of that song is an illustration of our whole problem with God. Isn't it just so human of us to take what is meant to be a beautiful song about God's ever-presence, his all-knowing goodness, and refusal to let us go, and compare it to a stalkery 80s pop song? (laughs) God is everywhere, sees everything, knows everything, past, present, and future, and indeed made everything. He knit each one of us together in our mother's womb. He formed the earth, gave us the law, and he provided a perfect garden in which we could live. This is all wonderful news. And what do we do? We find it smothering, and we try to escape from this God. Like Adam and Eve, we strike out on our own. We assert our independence, live our own way. We hear that tempting whisper in our ear and suspect, each one of us, that we might know a better way to live. That we could serve as a superior God. All the thousands of years of human rebelling against fathers is a result of that primordial rebellion against our Father in heaven. And of course, in the biblical story, this rebellion is called sin. Sin is fundamentally unbelief, which is itself fundamentally the belief that we don't need any God. We disbelieve the real God and in the real God because we imagine we're just fine on our own. Thank you very much. We'll be the creators. We will shape our lives and our world as we see fit. That is the source of sin in the world and the brokenness in which we now live. 
And of course, there is perhaps no clearer illustration of this than Pride Month. A culture full of people celebrating themselves and their own creative power. But we know that this is sin. Pride, unbelief, and self-deification, spoiler alert, has a downside. The wages of sin, says Paul in Romans 6, is death. Outside of the Eden that God created for us, death reigns. And make no mistake, not one of us is still in Eden. We all believed the lie. We all reached for that fruit. We all thought that we could make it on our own. We are all stained by pride. We are all subject to death as the penalty for such sin. So if God the Father, who we might call for convenience sake, God above us, if God above us, the lawgiver, the heavens and earth creator, the one who gives things their proper meaning, if God the Father were up there by himself, we would be dead. Literally. We've sinned. And the wages of sin is death. But God the Father is not by himself. Our God is, thankfully, a trinity. The same Apostle Paul, who told us that the wages of sin is death, also shows us the way out, the way to resurrection. Listen to how he opens the second chapter of his letter to the Ephesians. He says, You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, And were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. When you were celebrating pride, either with a sticker in your window or with a sneer in your heart, God decided, being rich in mercy, to save you. Here we meet God the Son. When God the Father... Creator and lawgiver finds us running away from him and asserting our human independence. He does not simply destroy us, giving us what we deserve. Instead, when God above us finds us rebelling, he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. In other words, when God above us finds us dead in trespasses and sins, He sends God for us. You see, says Paul in Romans 5, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God 
demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. This is Jesus. This is God the Son. This is God for you. Now, if the holiness of and our rebellion against God above us signals our death, the grace and mercy of God for us announces our resurrection. A friend of mine once said, the lawgiver sent the lawkeeper to die for us, the lawbreakers. The lawgiver sent the lawkeeper to die for us, the lawbreakers. God above us, the Father, sent God for us, Jesus Christ, to redeem us. We are reconciled to our creator and raised to a new life of peace. A life without fear. And everything would be okay. Except for one little problem. We still live in this place. In this broken place. And it's almost impossible for us to believe that such good news could be true. At the very end of his time on earth. After his death and resurrection, and just before his ascension to his throne at the right hand of the Father, Jesus commissioned his disciples. He sent them out into the world to teach and to baptize, to make more disciples in his name. It's a commission that we still carry with us today. It's what we're doing here this morning. But Jesus does not send them out alone. Not only does he send them out two by two, he sends them with himself. He promises to be with them always, even to the end of the age. And he keeps that promise as part of the Trinitarian God by sending God the Holy Spirit. God above us sent God for us to rescue us from our sin and God for us promised that God would be with us forever. This is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God with us. We talked last week about how the Holy Spirit was the guarantee that this incredible promise is actually true. God is with you now and forever. It is the Spirit who continually drives us to our knees, reminding us, that the Christian response to pride is repentance and mortification. That is, putting sinful pride to death, sacrificing it to Jesus, asking his refining fire to burn it out of us. And then finally, after repentance and mortification, the Christian places his faith and trust in nothing outside of our triune God, for redemption and restoration. Remember, the Holy Spirit is here because the Son, Jesus Christ, was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. God with us is proof that the tomb was empty, that Jesus really did accomplish what he set out to do, the redemption of a sinner like you and like me. And we try to escape from God 
because we have convinced ourselves that he is restricting our freedoms. Our pride overcomes us. We are sure that we know better. We so easily forget that it is only in him that we can have peace. Only by his own grace that we can live a life in accordance with his holiness. Only in him that we can be free from fear. Only in him that we can have life at all. In sin, we run away from the very God who is our safety. And that God is not alone. He is three and one. He is a loving relationship in himself that we get to be welcomed into. He created us and he redeems us and he is with us. This is our Trinitarian God. God the Father is above you. God the Son is for you. God the Holy Spirit is with you. Our God, one and three, made you, redeemed you, and sustains you. In my world, he promises, you have nothing to fear. And that in light of the saving grace of God for you and the enduring care of God with you. That is good news indeed. As we close, let's hear Paul's summary of this good news given to the Romans in chapter 5 of that great letter that we heard read this morning. Since we are justified, made right with God by faith, he writes, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. We are reconciled. You are reconciled to God the Father through God the Son. And even now, God is with you in God the Holy Spirit, pouring his love into your heart now and always. On account of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that's good news for right now, three o'clock in the morning, and forever. Amen.